Welcome to the Surf and Stars Social Club podcast. I'm your host, Celestina. I'm an astroanalyst and life coach with a special interest in relationships and family dynamics. This is a show about reimagining and re-enchanting relationships with ourselves, with others, and with the world. Okay, can I just say how excited I am to have a podcast? It feels so cool to be podcasting. This has been a dream of mine. Um, yeah, so just feeling grateful. Today I wanted to talk about something perhaps a little iffy, not super sexy. Um, and it's come up in a couple of the astrology groups that I'm in. Is there a chart signature or is there a way to use the chart to identify if a person might have an eating disorder or might have a propensity for developing an eating disorder? So today I did want to talk about some chart signatures um, and also give some caveats around that. I wanted to also share my story Um, I haven't particularly hidden, but I also haven't particularly broadcasted that I struggled with a serious eating disorder for many years. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about how I finally made my way out of that. And then obviously, um, or maybe not so obviously, I work as a coach Disordered eating and eating disorders are one of the specialties I feel capable of taking on due to my own personal experience and also to training that I have received professionally working with people with eating disorders. Um, I have an Eat, Breathe, Thrive certification, which is using yoga and um, a yoga-inspired modality to work with um work with people who are struggling with eating disorders. Anyways, let's dive in. Okay, so I don't know that there is a particular signature that we can be sure indicates that the native, which is astrospeak for the person, (laughs) will experience disordered eating or body dysmorphia or anything else related. Um... If someone is experiencing an eating disorder, however, and they've already indicated that, I do think it's helpful to retroactively look at the chart and see where in the chart that might be indicated um, and then use that as a way to kind of help and move forward. Um, I personally, this is a caveat, would always use the natal chart as confirmation of an eating disorder. I would never use it as an indication of an eating disorder. Um, So I would be very cautious to form a hypothesis when I'm talking with a client that I don't know very well that implies an eating disorder. So my strong recommendation is to use the chart retroactively, not proactively, when you're bringing the astrology in. So that being said, locating a probable natal chart signature can be helpful in delineating, like in coloring in or naming, like sketching the exact nature of the eating disorder or the roots of the eating disorder. 
Um, it can be helpful in locating and delineating self-appropriate and creative ways to begin to work with the eating disorder and work our way out of the eating disorder into a healthier expression. So I'm not saying don't go to the chart at all. I'm just saying kind of be careful um, for using the chart as a predictive place. So I'll, um, I just want to use my chart as an example. Um, I have definitely, as I said, experienced <clears throat> disordered eating, <clears throat> dieting behavior, and um, a pretty extreme eating disorder in my life. So in my chart, I have Pluto conjunct Saturn, and both of those planets are squaring the sun. So Saturn, when we're lensing it through looking for an eating disorder, it is so much about control. And it's even about control as pleasure in the same way that a sexual kink around control, like being a dom or being a sub or BDSM or physical restriction like bondage or shibari, um, constraint and control can actually feel pleasurable. Um, control can actually give us a reward hormone, a dopamine hit. So that's Saturn. Then Pluto. Pluto, again, when we're kind of lensing it through eating disorder, Pluto is very compulsive. It's very much about obsession and fixation. Pluto speaks to the things that are just so habituated or so addictive that it's hard. In fact, it feels impossible to break that pattern or that behavior. So with Pluto, I can definitely see the very addictive and compulsive side of eating disorders coming through. In my chart, Pluto and Saturn are conjunct and then they're squaring my sun. So anytime there's a conversation that certain outer planets, Saturn and Pluto being two examples, are having with certain personal planets, especially Venus, Moon, or Sun, I'll talk about Mercury later. And if that is very strong in our chart, or if it is emphasized in a few ways throughout the chart, then this is a signature that especially retroactively can confirm an eating disorder. Um, so I'll get into what specific planets need to be talking to what specific planets, but um, let's move on with my chart. So the next thing that I'm looking at in my chart, um, I have Chiron in the sign of Taurus. Taurus is very much about physical beauty, embodiment, being in the body, being okay with being in the body, feeling beautiful, feeling attractive, feeling worthy. So Chiron in Taurus and Chiron is squaring my Venus. Venus is the planet that wants to be loved, that wants to be in relationship. I have often spoken of this particular aspect, Chiron square Venus, as expressing itself as feeling unpreferred or unchosen, also unloved, but more specifically, maybe loved, yes, but not in a special way. You're not the first one picked. You're not the like most beloved sibling. Um, yeah, you're loved, but it's... It's that like that love of being chosen, of being preferred. Yeah, so you know, you might have friends, you're accepted into a friend group, 
but you're never partnering up with your male friends the way the other girls are. The boys are always choosing other girls, that type of thing. And if it wasn't obvious from that example, I very much felt this particular aspect in high school. So moving on to the signs, I have Pluto in Libra, which means that it will show up around relationship. For my eating disorder, one of the roots of it, maybe not the main root, but one of the roots was wanting to be desired, wanting to be in a relationship, wanting to be found attractive to those that I was attracted to. And for me, it was men at the time. And Libra is very much our awareness around how those we are attracted to are perceiving us. Libra is about how accessible relationship is to us. So my Saturn is in the sign of Scorpio, which is Pluto's domicile in modern rulership. That underscores the Scorpionic or Plutonic kind of obsession or compulsion. Um, So it kind of adds obsession or compulsion to control. So both Pluto and Scorpio also relate to our deepest, deepest desires, our most vulnerable desires. And for me, again, that was very much about being chosen, being in relationship. And so the eating disorder, among other things, was one way that I hoped to achieve that, to make myself attractive, to get myself chosen. For me, a lot of my life has been around relationship, around having a boyfriend, around being told I'm beautiful, around being seen as beautiful. That's been one of my deepest desires. With Pluto and Scorpio involved, there's also this idea of our social sexual identity getting activated. And this is so much about how much of our power we give away and how easily we give it away to be attractive, to be popular, to be included, to fit in, to be loved and pursued and to be wanted. And I think that that is not insignificant for eating disorder conversations. And in my chart, the last thing I'm noticing is that I have Leo on the ascendant or Leo rising. Leo is a sign that in particular is very concerned about being seen as special being seen as magnetic, getting external validation. The last signature that I can add is that I have both Neptune and the South Node in my fifth house, um, and they're conjunct. Fifth house is the house of romance, of falling in love, that honeymoon period. Neptune in the fifth adds this longing, just this profound longing for things to be ideal, perfectly romantic, to match the fantasy that I had as a girl. And South Node in the fifth house continues the story of compulsion or of habituation that I started with Pluto. South Node is a place where we go because it's familiar and we go there in this compulsive, unconscious way. Like even if it's not good for us, The fact that it's familiar and known trumps all of that. So um, after using my chart as an example, I want to speak a little bit more theoretically about the planets, the signs, the houses that can be implicated. And I said this before, but it is important to look for multiple emphasis in the birth chart. So the indicators have to show up kind of more than once in more than one way. 
So for me, number one was Saturn Pluto square the sun. Then that was supported and re-indicated by Chiron square Venus. So that's number two. And then this was additionally corroborated by Leo rising and then to a lesser extent, South node conjunct Neptune in the fifth house. And then the signs the planets were in further supported and aligned with the planetary dialogue. Um, yeah, so you want to be kind of doing the same thing, making sure that this story is getting told more than once and kind of corroborated by multiple signatures. So planets. The planets, the personal planets that I mentioned that are often involved are Sun, Moon, Venus, and also Mercury. Mercury, because of how um, an eating disorder can also be lensed as a mental illness, like if you've had an eating disorder, you know, like how much bandwidth it takes up in your brain. Um, yeah, so sun, we talked a little bit about how Venus, Venus is the planet of wanting to be attractive, wanting to be in relationship. Moon is all about emotional safety and security. So that can show up through relationship. It can also show up through using food or exercise or body control for emotional security and safety. And then lastly, sun is um, a lot about our self-concept, the way that we define our identity. So if our identity, like I talked about, um, if this social sexual component is activated, um, if our identity is very much about wanting to be liked or wanting to fit in or wanting to be respected or wanting to be seen in a certain way, that's when sun, um, or that's how sun is kind of comes online with this. So the social and transpersonal planets are important most especially if they are in contact with the personal planets or on the angles, especially the ascendant. They're important in a more secondary, less significant way if they fall into certain houses. But I think they have to be talking to the ascendant or the personal planets. I think that's super important. Um, so Chiron, Saturn, and Pluto are kind of the big three that I look for. And you can see that all three of those planets in my own chart were indeed active. But then I also have to add Neptune and Jupiter. Because Neptune and Jupiter both represent extremely aspirational energies and energies where we don't have a lot of control. Where we want more and more and more without being able to put a limit on things. So Jupiter can show up when the eating disorder is specifically taking the form of bulimia or of binging. And then Neptune can kind of show up when we have this like ideal, this fantasy around relationship or around how we want our body to look. Or Neptune can also speak to how the eating disorder is an addiction, and we're using it in the same way that people who use drugs use drugs as an escape, um, as a way of disassociating. And lastly, the south node is also a place of compulsion. I wouldn't look there first, but just want to mention. 
Um, yeah, so as an example, we can fall in love with a fantasy or an ideal and then begin to exhibit this disordered behavior to move towards that fantasy or that ideal, especially around the relationship or body or appearance. And this is where we also can pull in the ascendant-descendant axis and the first house and seventh house. Um, so speaking of the, the ascendant-descendant, let's look at the angles next. So I look at both the ascendant and the descendant. Um, that's kind of where I look first when I'm looking at the angles, and I also look at the houses that they cusp, first and seventh houses. First and seventh houses, can, and also ACDC, can speak to how we want others to perceive us and what we find attractive or unattractive in ourselves or others, um, especially physically, like our external branding, our external packaging. And there may be a story about how we want to shape ourselves to attract others or to mirror what we find attractive or where we find ourselves envious. Um, I also look at the ICMC axis, so the midheaven, um, because the ICMC axis corresponds to the signs of Cancer and Capricorn. And I think this is where we get into one of the major roots of why people fall into an eating disorder. So one way of lensing the Cancer Capricorn axis is as the axis of control and of comfort. And I think those are two deep, deep reasons that are almost two sides of the same coin that people move into an eating disorder for control, for comfort, or for both. Okay, the houses. So first house, that's the house of where we're in conversation around ourselves, specifically our appearance, and even more specifically our physical appearance. So it makes sense why it would be important. Second house, because that's the house of embodiment, self-worth, and oftentimes an eating disorder can actually have one of its roots in low self-worth. Um, second house is also being in the body, physical, tangible resources, um, and one of those resources is food, and another physical, tangible resource is beauty, our own attractiveness. Fourth house, sometimes eating disorders are an inheritance from our family. We can inherit it by watching the behavior of our parents, especially our mother, or of our siblings, or just the messaging we receive around how we're supposed to look, what we're supposed to eat, what food is good, what food is bad. Um, and then we can also begin to use food as comfort and as nurture, as a substitute, if the parents is, are not providing adequate nurture or comfort or emotional security. Fifth house. So I won't look here first thing, but if there is something in the fifth house that can corroborate a more strongly told story, then I'm listening. So the reasons that I stated earlier regarding my own chart, if something is fucked up regarding play or sex or self-expression or fun or self-magnetism, um, those are all fifth house themes, then an eating disorder can be a coping mechanism. So to me, the fifth house does have something to say about the experiences of feeling attractive, feeling wanted, feeling special. And those can all play into why we would develop an eating disorder. 
and that is fifth house stuff. That's fifth house material. Sixth house. My son is actually in the sixth house. Sixth house pertains to daily rituals and routines. And an eating disorder can very much take on ritual and routine aspects. Sixth house is also a house that deals with perfecting. And in a way, an eating disorder can be seen as an attempt to perfect the body or perfect our food intake and exercise. Sixth house also deals with health and nutrition. So orthorexia would very much be a reflection of sixth house experiences and values. Sixth house can speak to places and ways which we habituate and fall into a routine or behavioral pattern. Seventh house, the house of relationship, especially intimate romantic relationship. A lot of times one of the things informing our eating disorder is actually how we want to be received in relationship or how our unconscious or hidden fears around being re received in relationship are kind of getting triggered. So seventh house is not the first place I'll look, but it's not entirely insignificant. Eighth house, also not necessarily the first place, not insignificant. It's Pluto's natural house, Scorpio's natural house. That's where we get the fixation, the obsession, the compulsion, these deep desires that I spoke to. Like one of my deepest desires is being wanted and being in relationship. Ninth house. I'll pull in ninth house because it has to do with morality, with what is good or bad, and with what is right and wrong. So, like I said, around fourth house, or even with our peers, so society, if we've been fed messaging around what constitutes a good body, a right body, a beautiful body, good food, bad food, or if we've received messaging around how we're wrong or bad because of our body or because of our appearance, we might be using the eating disorder as a type of either penance or uh, a type of correction, like we are correcting our body to make ourselves right instead of wrong. Tenth house, how we appear to the public. It's similar to the ascendant in some ways. It's also the house of Capricorn. Um, which speaks to that authority and control that I referenced earlier with Saturn. And then this also um, has something to say um, about prestige or status. And appearance is one way that we can indicate status, right? Skinny privilege, like beauty privilege. We always talk about... Um, or at least we've started the conversation around that. So for that reason, I think 10th house is um, implicated. And then 12th house, I can see 12th house as being important if the eating disorder behavior is something that is coming to us through lineage or through past lives, if you believe in that, or if it's something that we're picking up from the collective, or if it's something that we're using in order to feel safe in the collective energy or to protect our body from dangers that we perceive in the collective. So not to get too off the rails here, but if, if there is something cemented in our energetic or like genetic inheritance, maybe around being violated in an attractive body, 
Um, like we feel the reason we were violated is because our body was attracted to someone else and they, then we might use like food as a way to build a physical armor, AKA put on weight to protect our body in this collective where we just hold, we just hold in our inheritance, this feeling that, that men are dangerous and that violation is possible. Even if it didn't happen to us personally, this is like, this is truly this kind of collective um, or inheritance that we're kind of feeling. So I didn't mention third house or 11th house. I don't see a whole lot of resonance there personally, but I think I did say something earlier about receiving messaging. Um, a lot of times the messaging that we receive is from our family. But if we're receiving messaging from like our peers or our teachers or our community, then I guess um, around, you know, what food is good, what body type is good, then that would semi implicate third house and 11th house, I suppose. So the signs. Um, I'm looking at Taurus and Libra because these are ruled by Venus, which is the planet of wanting to be loved, wanting to be in relationship. Um, Taurus and Libra are also concerned with wanting to be physically beautiful, wanting to be attractive. I look at Leo because it wants to be validated, to feel special, to fit in socially. Actually, Libra also wants to fit in socially. Um, just why? I look at Scorpio because it's the polarity to Taurus and also because it's co-ruled in modern astrology by Pluto. So we have the theme of deep compulsions, deep desires, fixation, and also a deep need to control, especially if Saturn is also kind of somewhere in the mix, um, especially something that we just know can't be controlled, at least not easily. And then as I've kind of alluded to before, the Capricorn Cancer axis, which is relevant because of themes of using food and exercise as emotional comfort, cancer, or of using food and exercise as control, Capricorn. Then I might look at Sagittarius um, for moral implications. Like, is there a very strong morality around the person with the eating disorders behavior? Like, is the eating disorder a way to feel superior, to feel right? Um, I would also look at Virgo because um, controlling and perfecting tendencies are kind of associated with Virgo. And I would look at Pisces because Pisces wants this perfection. It wants to disassociate. Um, and this is where kind of eating disorders can fulfill similar functions to drug use. So, um, yeah, let's see here combinations. So I spoke earlier about the combination that I see in my chart where there's multiple aspects. This is, again, I feel like I've reiterated this a few times now. Make sure you see the story repeated a few times in the chart. Just one signature is not necessarily enough to make a call. So I want to see multiple contacts with multiple personal planets. Um, so let's see in my chart, Chiron, Venus, and then I also have Pluto, Saturn, um, in hard contact to the sun. 
maybe another example, if Neptune is contacting the moon in Taurus and then Pluto is maybe contacting Venus in the first house and then Saturn is also touching the sun, something like that. Um, or if we see Venus and the sun in Capricorn, then we have moon Pluto in Cancer because then we've really activated that Cancer Capricorn control comfort axis. Um, yeah, so the signs of Taurus and Scorpio, like I said, are so much about food and body, but also compulsion. So if I'm seeing activity in Scorpio and in Taurus, um, and they're both in conversation with personal planets, yeah. Okay, so I wanted to kind of go into my story at this point. This is my personal eating disorder story, trigger warning, um, especially if you're still struggling with an eating disorder and, um, and you feel kind of curious to hear my story in order to like hack some of it for yourself. I mean, that's a key indicator. Um, yeah, so I do feel like I personally fully healed and I know there's controversy around some people believe you can fully heal some people believe you can't um I feel extremely healed I feel like trusting in my body I feel like I can eat whatever I want I feel like my body is in this beautiful place of being very stable and not changing I can trust it I can trust myself I can trust food um I never think of food calorically anymore I think of it as something that's very sensual and delicious and playful and creative. I like to play with food in a creative way, like what new tastes can I make or this recipe looks really interesting. Um, so since my very, very early youth, I've been obsessed with being desired. I had a childhood where I was very much left out a lot and made to feel different a lot and made to feel alone a lot and like chosen last a lot for teams and what have you. I didn't really have a lot of friends and in my friend groups I was always kind of just allowed in like the bedraggled little straggler puppy. Um, and all I ever wanted since I can remember was to have a loving boyfriend, this really romantic Disney perfect relationship and to get married. Um, so throughout my youth, I definitely experimented with exercise and dieting. Um, I don't think I had like the control or the willpower to be fully able to participate in eating disorder, but then I got that somehow in my early twenties. So in my early to mid twenties, I became anorexic. And it was very much about control and prestige and status. So I guess as I'm saying the word status and prestige, I can see the 10th house being pulled into the conversation. Um, I wanted to be admired. I wanted people to remark on my body. And eventually it moved out of anorexia to bulimia. I experienced anorexia as the superiority of control. And bulimia, on the other hand, was very much a loss of control. And there was so much shame around not being able to exit this pattern, which I quite frankly hated of binging and then purging. So to be very honest, when I was anorexic, I think I was very okay with my eating disorder. Everything was under my control. 
And then when it moved into bulimia is when I felt like I had a loss of control and I started to feel really not okay and out of control and I was hiding a lot and I no longer felt proud of myself or of my appearance. I just felt very ashamed. So I started working with a therapist and she said, listen, I don't care how much you eat. You just can't purge. Stop the purging part of it. Um, so for an uncomfortable amount of time, and it was profoundly uncomfortable, I would just binge and not let myself purge. And so I went to bed in pain, like not being able to move. And my body changed shape quite quickly. Um, and that was really uncomfortable. I also worked with yoga, which was a really beautiful modality for getting back in touch with my body and finding compassion around my body and curiosity around this behavior and compassion for myself around this behavior. And then I also started dating someone who I was just able to use as a model. They had a totally imperfect body, like total dad bod. And they just had, like did not give a fuck. They ate whatever they wanted. They surfed. They had this really easygoing, lovely relationship with life. And I coveted that. And I saw how very little their body and their appearance had to do with their happiness, at least the way that I was perceiving it. So I started surfing too, and that was also very healing. And the last thing is, and I think this is a really important piece, I found something more important and more meaningful, and this pulls in Sag and Jupiter, to me than just my appearance. There's a quote. I don't remember where it comes from, but feel free to message me if you know. It goes like this. Your body is not your masterpiece, your life is. And I think I first heard it actually now that I'm thinking from Katie Delbout. Um, so a lot of what led to my eating disorder was this type of self-consuming, if that makes sense. Because there wasn't really anything else in my life to turn my attention and my passion and like all this energy towards. I had this script that the meaning of life, the purpose of life, was to get into a relationship and that would make me happy. So when I started working on my first business, it was so life-affirming and life-giving. And all of a sudden, I was waking up excited to do more graphic design and come up with more formulas and get more sales. And that became the most fulfilling thing, not relationships and not my beauty as an access point for relationships. So I think that's a critical component of eating disorder recovery that I think is often overlooked. So a lot of times the eating disorder is there as a placeholder for something that we haven't found yet, some greater purpose, some greater meaning. So beginning to get really conscious and turn some energy in the direction of seeking the thing that could make us forget our eating disorder the thing that could reduce our eating disorder in importance. Um, it is true that eating disorders consume a fuck ton of mental energy. So for that reason, I do think we need to bring Mercury, um, which is the planet that signifies kind of the mind and our cognition and the things that we think about. We need to bring Mercury into the picture because you're constantly thinking. All your mental bandwidth is going into how do people perceive me? 
Am I the skinniest person in the room? What did I eat? How much did I exercise? And there's all these numbers from counting calories, compulsively weighing yourself, that begins to take up all of your brain space. So anyways, slowly but surely, the binging to pain turned into eating foods that just felt incredibly safe and nurturing. I did that for almost a whole year. I picked up dinner every single night at a restaurant where I lived, and it was literally my dinner every single night. <laughs> Sweet potato fries and focaccia bread, which is interesting. Like in retrospect, I'm like, wow, my body must have been craving carbs. Um, and... Yeah, that's it. Those were the things that really nurtured me. And that's all I ate for dinner every single night for a year. And then in the morning, it was the same thing. There was this place that had these very specific scones. And that is what I had for breakfast every damn day. And then for lunch, I would go out with coworkers or something. But for breakfast and for dinner, it was the opposite of control. It was eating foods that just felt so comfortable, so safe, so familiar. Um, it was this like luxury of repetition. To me, that repetition of the same foods that I loved so much, I couldn't get enough of. It was safety. And then little by little, I became more engrossed with my business, with my partners, surfing, and food and meals and exercise just took on less and less importance. And it just naturally began to balance out. Eventually, I would be in a place where sometimes I would be so absorbed with work that I would forget to eat. And that was that. So I went from meals and food being the most important and consuming thing in my day to actually genuinely forgetting a meal. Um, so that's a little bit about my story. I do believe that we can fully heal from an eating disorder. I don't believe that everyone does, but I think it's possible. And it's something that I coach professionally around if you have an issue or if you need some support or just need a safe person to be with you in this journey. Um, like I said, it's something that I've been through personally and it's something I've received professional training with. Um, and currently everything I offer is pay what you can. I've just become really um, aligned with this belief that we're not meant to do it alone. We absolutely get so much further when we open ourselves to receive support. And also I very firmly believe that this type of social emotional support is a goddamn fucking human right. And so I don't ever want it to be inaccessible, at least not from me. So yeah, pay what you can, no judgment. Um, if you're curious about what that looks like, get in touch. And I think that is where I am going to leave it for now. Okay, everyone. Thanks for listening. I love you so much and talk again soon. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a quick review, subscribing to the show, or sharing it with your friends. This is a beautiful reciprocity and generosity practice for yourself, as well as a way to support content you enjoy. To submit a question and be considered as a live astroanalysis guest on the podcast, visit my website, surfstarssocial.club, 
All the contact info and relevant details for today's show, including the submit a question link, can be found in the show notes. Registration for the Jupiter Storytelling Salon is closed, but other ways to work with me include one-on-one coaching and astroanalysis with more workshops and courses launching soon. All of my work is currently pay what you can, as I believe social emotional support and peer guidance is a human right. My full prices are listed on my website. For pay what you can, I suggest $25 per session, but people have opted for $5 at times. What feels safe and true for you is most important. No judgment from me. Email or DM via social to get started. Bye for now and sending you lots of love. Thank you.